It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Hello, welcome to Tea Hanks with Memories. I'm your host, Darren, and today we're going to be talking about A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, which is apparently is a misquote. That's not what he sings, but, you know, probably deliberate. Um, and uh, it was released in America on the 22nd of November 2019, and for the sake of one of my guests, it was released on the 31st of January uh, 2020, the year that we all loved. Do you remember 2020, people? It was what the last great film I went to see before that lockdown, was. if I remember ah. correctly. <laughs> It was the final film that Tom Hanks had released in cinemas until Elvis. Hmm. Uh, we're about to go through a series of episodes that were all direct to streaming. The thing that is killing cinema. Are you doing Borat uh, too? Is that happening? Or No. No. No cameos. And, well, apart from Ithaca, but, you know, that's a whole separate discussion. <clears throat> it managed to make double its box office, uh, which is more successful than the documentary that came out roughly the same time, which was called Won't You Be My Neighbour, which managed to lose money, although still be the highest grossing yeah. um, biographical documentary of all time. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess they just budgeted it too high. Uh, Tom is obviously getting top billing. There's nobody else on the poster, even though most of the film is not about him. <laughs> but we can get into that. And joining me to talk about today, uh, I have Luke Allen. Hello, Luke. Hello. And Robert Black. Hello, Robert. Hello, hello. Robert, returning for another film that has the Twin Towers in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> much like so many goddamn Tom Hanks films, in the 80s, the Twin Towers were all over them. Um, you know, they made a joke in Bachelor Party, which was set in L.A., about the Twin Towers. <laughs> um, so this, you know, this might be the final Tom Hanks film to feature the Twin Towers. Possibly. I don't know. It's really weird. They seem to keep coming back throughout his career. But there's a little tiny model of him in here, which I, I'm guessing a few years earlier, you know, they probably wouldn't have been in the film. But, you know, they made a choice. This is film is set in, in 1998. So obviously, you know, the Twin Towers were still there. Um, and yet, yeah, like I said, it's really it's, it's kind of odd because this is one of those cases where Tom is getting top billing. But really, the story is about... Um, Matthew Rhys yeah. and his character, uh, which is based on the journalist who wrote an article. Yeah, I, f I felt that today. Long way to because I, I mean, I, I've been a, a fan of of Mr. Rogers as much as you can be in the UK. Uh, for about a year before the film came out, I heard that it was happening, and I thought, "What's interesting about Mr. Rogers?" And I'd watched like clips and documentaries and stuff up to there, so I was looking forward to the film. My family, I'll talk about Mr. Rogers with, but their only knowledge of him is this film. And so I was kind of taken aback in my rewatch today to be as to how little this film's about Mr. Rogers. Yeah, and uh, this is something I talked to my guests about before we started, but this is a very blacklist concept film, which is uh, a list of the best unmade scripts in Hollywood. It's been around for many, many years. This was on the list in 2013, um, and obviously that's what prompted it to get bought. I think also Saving Mr. Banks was on the blacklist because the idea of making a Walt Disney biopic, but only having Walt Disney peripherally appear in it. Again, Tom Hanks uh, kind of, I don't know, it's its really weird that he ended up doing these kind of things. Um, you know, like that is a very kind of high concept thing, like to be like, oh yeah, it's about this thing, but it's not about this thing. It's not about Mr. Rogers. It's not just a straight up biography of him. It really tells you absolutely nothing about his life, apart from the fact that he has two sons and he's married. That's pretty much all you get out of this film in terms of, you know, who Mr. Rogers is. Um, it's mostly about the guy interviewing, or attempting, I should say, to interview Mr. Rogers because, of course, Albeit, he was a um, notoriously difficult interview. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody always said that. But obviously, great guy. Just 
very difficult well, to yeah, interview albeit him in one of the interviews um one of the articles i can't remember whether it was the first the original one or the follow-up because i read them both straight after each other you know he, he does even mr rogers wife comments that like she felt like she hardly knew anything about him yeah. Um, so, like, you know, maybe this film is just the experience of knowing Mr. Rogers. Yeah, his thing was always interest in other people. So this film, I think, conveys yeah. him really well. It's just you don't realize it as you're watching it. He feels like yeah. he's barely there. Uh, I should say as well, this film, uh, much like Sully, uh, was nominated for the AARP Movies for Grown Ups Awards. Uh, where it won Best Supporting Actor and Reader's Choice, but it was also... <laughs> not, it was, I love these categories. It was nominated for Best Movie for Grown Ups, uh, Best Buddy Picture, and Best <laughs> Intergenerational Movie. So the AIRP oh. really kind of getting to some important... That's that. I think those are the literally the like some of the only awards that it won out of all the many nominations. It was very, very nominated, uh, the script especially. Uh, and of course, Tom managed to get another uh, you know Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor. I think that's the first time he's been nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Um, I think the other times it was always Best Actor. Um, so yeah. I feel um, like this film was I- always like really... Well, not like heavily, heavily, but fairly high promoted. And then it came yeah. out and just disappeared. <laughs> like... I think it it actually hurts that Won't You Be My Neighbor came out like the year before. And it was like it was a lot of Mr. Rogers for people. I didn't grow up watching Mr. Rogers. So that actually made me more interested in this so that I didn't pay attention to trailers yeah. and didn't know it wasn't a biopic. So I was a little surprised the first time I saw this, but yeah. it works. I mean, it did make it did make more than double its budget back. Right, it did um, fine. Yeah, um, and I think it, maybe it was overshadowed by the fact that Frozen Two like opened the same week. <laughs> um, so like you know, and then of course a few weeks after this was um, uh, that film about stars and wars. What's it called? Um, Which one was that the, year? Um, it was the final one. Oh, it was okay. the end of the trilogy. Yeah. So they really, um, they really got in with that just in time, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no, because that, that you know the thing the thing with those the, the you know new Star Wars trilogy is those legs went until like February every single time. So those three films opened at Christmas and they just kept on going. So it's lucky that the legs on those lasted just to the point where lockdown was about to happen <laughs> and they'd already made a bit. But uh, yeah, I did um, mention obviously that it felt like Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood disappeared. One place it did reappear to is I work in a Christian bookstore in shrewsbury and um it was one of the few dvds we were selling when i started working there we literally sell okay. like three or four dvds like they don't sell well um but beautiful day in the neighborhood was there which was interesting because um whilst mr rogers is you know has a lot of presence about his faith and everything else i i wouldn't call this a christian film like no, there's the one you line you wouldn't even, about prayer. You wouldn't even know. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, no, he does some praying. He mentions some names. But it's while he's oh, doing yes, some swimming. but it's like because it's Tom Hanks and he's got to get topless. But, um, but as, as, as Christian films go, it's a topic I won't delve too much into because I can ramble on for ages. Um, but it, I'm very passionate about. Don't worry, the, Luke. I'll just cut it all out <laughs> about the uh, <laughs> the lack of um, well about the idea of labeling something as a Christian film or like or even like what fits as a Christian film and what doesn't. So I was intrigued to see this be considered. But then I started wondering, I recently rewatched um, Machine Gun Preacher with Gerard Butler, and I was thinking, this is more of a Christian film than Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, but I can't imagine my shop selling it. 
um you know and it was uh, yeah just an interesting discussion um but like we say it's not a, it's not about mr rogers even though it's called a beautiful day in the neighborhood oh, again that is a misquote because it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood so the fact that it's not c- correctly quoted is maybe you know an indication that it's not completely about him i have i have a weird take on that whether it's a christian film thing because oh, go for it robert and I'll say up front, I'm an atheist, so this is this is a weird might be a weird take in that sense. I actually think this is a really good, essentially Christian film, but it wouldn't yeah it wouldn't fall under the label like in a video store as a Christian film because it's not about Christianity. But I think well, it represents yeah. it better than a lot of Christian films. Oh, absolutely! It's a hundred percent the film that you could run a a home church study group course around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I edited a video for a guy um, who talked about how the Terminator represented Jesus. Um, so I think you can do that with any film, really. Wow. I mean, it's, um, I think if you're talking video. 80s action films, uh, Robocop is Jesus. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, I, I should say, I, sound, I said that almost cynically. It's a really interesting video. And he doesn't <laughs> claim that that's why, the you know, that was the intention behind the film. But um, yeah, I think it's it's Christian well, no, film John in the Connor sense that John Connor is Jesus, that... not the Terminator. Yeah, JC. <laughs> it's um, it's... like John, like John Coffey out of the Green Mile. Exactly. It's that's uh, a Christian film. It's a... the Green Mile does actually pop up in a in a book I've got of Christian analysis of of cinema. I think, um, but because uh, the... it's the one of the most obvious because yeah. Stephen King was not subtle. No, <laughs> so... but uh, it's. Yeah. Um, to what you were saying, Robert, I think Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is absolutely, yeah, to, to, the, to the in terms of Christian messages and Christian themes, I think it, I think it does absolutely apply to that, and it's where I want to be as a filmmaker and as Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's in comparison to yeah, the rest of the stuff that we that we sell is just intriguing to me because uh, subtly Christian isn't really what you come into the Christian bookstore for. No. No, I guess not. <laughs> but it's the things that, you know, Christians like you should be making if they want to make Christian films, though. It's go a little subtle so you get people to actually watch it that might not otherwise do it. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's it, it, it lies with the intention of, of Fred Rogers himself, you know. The, yeah. And his and his at show the, at the state of the media and saying, I want to, you know, put important, powerful messages in there and I want to change it. Right. Is I think it's. It's fascinating, and I, I think it's also interesting that um, this is a very de- a, a, a detour that probably isn't a detailed conversation we can have today. But around the same time as Fred Rogers was doing what he was doing, with the same ideas and the same ideals, we had Mary Whitehouse. Hmm. Um, and I've watched and read a lot about Mary Whitehouse recently to the extent that I found myself agreeing with her way more than I thought I would. But I think it's interesting that they both saw the same thing, essentially, in the media. Okay, so that's uh, Luke out of this particular <laughs> episode. Uh, me and Robert will continue discussing agreeing with Mary Whitehouse. Um, <laughs> I didn't I'm say sorry. I agree entirely. I, there, there's a few points I, in which I felt like... Oh, I'm sorry, geez. Luke. We, we draw the line there. I haven't even said who's directed and wrote this film, so let's jump into that <laughs> yes, maybe. before we start going on about Mary Whitehouse. <laughs> I think Fred Rogers did a better job, though. Um, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, the film is directed by Marielle Heller, and you might say to yourself, who the hell is Marielle Heller? Uh, the answer is she is married to Joe Matacone. She uh, basically 
you know, she's Lonely Island adjacent. Um, she also, before this, was an actress. Uh, she was on an episode of Transparent, which is quite, uh, uh, you know, helpful because two of the people who wrote the script for this were also writers on Transparent. Um, and apparently that is how they met. Uh, around the time that this film was being put together, Tom Hanks had sent a note out to his agents saying, I don't want to be playing any more real people. Can we put a lid on that thing? Um, <laughs> and then his son, who was friends with Mariel Heller, said, oh, they want you to play Fred Rogers. <laughs> so he was like, OK, I guess, um, you know, for the sake of Colin, I shall you know, step back into the role of real life people. I find it's funny that he did that because then he did four films that weren't about real life people. Mm-hmm. And then obviously recently, still in cinemas as we record, he did Elvis, where he played a real person again (laughs) for like the eighth time. I think this is the seventh. Um, So, yeah. Uh, Also, of course, Tom likes, you know, he likes to get topless in his films and he does that here uh, with a swimming montage later on. Um, And yeah, the writers, again, they they wrote, they kind of pitched this as a, a, you know, deliberately a blacklist film. You know, it's it's a movie about the guy who wrote an article about Mr. Rogers. Like that's, you're a few steps removed from the actual person. Um, they had also, like I said, they, they, him and uh, the the guy who actually appears as the son-in-law in the film, uh, played by Noah Harpster, the guy who gets married and then there's a fight that breaks out. Uh, he is he's the co-writer. His writing partner ah. uh, is Micah Fitzman Blue. Yeah, that explains why he got that role uh, in this particular. But not, also, he's also been an actor in yeah. a lot of other stuff, including um, Transparent. He also uh, was an actor in One Mississippi. If you, if you remember that show um a, directly after this the next film that they co-wrote was maleficent mistress of evil so they such a weird thing that happens uh he's currently an actor on for all mankind which i think is on apple tv plus something everything is plus these days um and they've written you know an, a, a couple of other films together and stuff so yeah you know uh when you see the guy who looks like a writer turn up in a film much like in the film predator uh, you're like, oh, I wonder why that guy's here. Oh, I see. He's Shane Black. He wrote this film. That's why he's here. Um, so that guy turns up, you know, says like literally two lines in the entire film. Um, you know, asks Mr. Rogers if he's ever a sharpshooter. And that's pretty much his whole contribution to the thing. Um, but yeah, the direct the director, as I said, married to John McCone from The Lonely Island. Uh, but she had before this directed a couple of films, one of which I had actually seen um, before I saw this, which is Can You Ever, uh, Can you ever Forgive Me? Yeah. Um, which obviously won some people some Oscar nominations and various other things. Um, lots of critics awards. Pretty much every single goddamn circle of critics gave it an award in some kind of way. Um, obviously with uh, Richard E. Grant, who of course shares your initials, Robert, um, and close friends called Richard E. Grant Reg. Um, mm-hmm. That is how his family refer to him. Uh, one of the best Swaziland actors that we have. Um, and Richard and... E. Grant, of course, also briefly appears in About Time, which yep. Robert and I did a show about. So Yeah. But, yes, I, I don't know do. why I said, of course, as if like it's common knowledge yes. that Richard I mean, E. Grant I mean, everyone knows. Has, a, yeah. has an uncredited um... appearance in About Time. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and as as with uh, like as with that film, it's kind of weird because like the, the like the the cast in that is not gigantic. Um, you know, it's it's a relatively small cast. And the same with this, even though there's a lot of family members in this, this cast is very kind of small. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of kind of I mean, Matthew Reese, obviously the biggest name uh, fresh off the Americans once more. Again, here playing an American. Of course, in that, he didn't play an American. He played a Russian. That was the joke. The title was ironic. They are not Americans. Um, And we've also got uh, Susan Kalichi Watson as his uh, wife and Chris Cooper as his 
of course, it's interesting because in real life, the name of the guy is not Lloyd Vogel, uh, but is instead, um, what's his name? Something, Tom Juno, that's it. And uh, he was like this, it's weird because this film has him being sent on this assignment because of his reputation. And in real life, his reputation was that he outed Kevin Spacey in an article in Esquire. And that is why he needed to go and interview Mr. Rogers so that he could get his reputation back and not be known for taking people down. And of course, Chris Cooper kissed uh, Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. So uh, that must have been really weird for the for the, for him being, you know, being on set and seeing Chris Cooper and thinking that guy kissed a guy that I kind of. <laughs> and of course, by the time this film came out, yeah. you know. Kevin Spacey's reputation had been destroyed. I think yeah. it's interesting, sorry, um, that uh, with all of this, you know, it's even hinted towards um, with the wife character um, when she says, like, don't you go ruining my childhood, that mm-hmm. I think there's, we've, we've now become so kind of caught up in the idea of beloved figures, there must be something they're hiding, um, which was, you know, hinted towards, as I said, throughout in Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. But even as much as a friend of mine I was chatting with today who was not aware at all of, of Mr. Rogers, I just mentioned, oh, I'm talking about this one about Mr. Rogers. And I was like, you know, he's supposed to be like one of the loveliest people ever. And he's a, you know, beloved children's presenter. And my friend genuinely turned turned to me, obviously expecting this to be the story of the film and said, oh, and was he like a paedophile or something? And it's like that's just become something that we're so yeah. expected that actually it's it's so rare to get these stories of genuinely lovely, nice people. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of the reviews were waiting for literally the other shoe to drop, and you know for something for something to happen before the end where you're like, oh no, Mister Rogers is a terrible person, and uh, no, it turns out he wasn't. You know, he was just a very nice guy. <laughs> um, as as the manager of Mr. Rogers, we have Enrico uh, Colliantoni, I think is how you say his name. Colantoni. Of course, known for his time in uh, Veronica Mars. And, and everybody loves shoot. him from Veronica Mars. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, just shoot me slightly less over here. I watched that long before I watched yeah. Veronica Mars. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and uh, it's very rare that he does any, like, films. So it's kind of weird that he's, like, in a film. Because I was like, oh, he's in a film. Um here he is in a film. Very strange. Um, uh, but yeah, like I was thinking to myself, have I seen him in anything else? And the answer is yes. I saw him in Galaxy Quest and AI uh, in the same year. <laughs> or within within like a year of each other. Um, where, of course, he is, uh, you know, very good in Galaxy Quest as the mm-hmm. main alien. Uh, everyone loves him from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of great cast members in here. Um, uh, and you know, uh, but you know, the 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 focus of it will be Matthew Reese and uh, Susan Kelechi Watson and Chris Cooper. When the wife, she's Hanks. on, you know, this is us, so people would know her. Who is sorry? His, uh, his the wife. Oh, Susan Kelechi Watson. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, though, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, she was. Well, that that was before this, wasn't it? And just. Uh, slightly more recently, after it, uh, yeah. the creator of that also wrote Toy Story Three. Um. And some other stuff. He's again. He's got a very weird career. The right, the guy who created uh, this is us. I think it's weird to say, and this could be like just my own uh, stance entirely. But I feel like this film is such a kind of comfort, relaxing kind of film that I absolutely, when watching it, just forget I'm watching actors half the time. Mm-hmm. Like my film analytical brain isn't there as much, and I'm just like immersed in it like i feel like i didn't even twig even though i would have seen his name in the credits didn't even twig chris cooper i was just like i was just watching mr rogers and lloyd vogel um and that's that's very rare for me um 
I'm constantly the sort to be critically looking at it and researching, oh, what have I seen this person in and what have I done that? But for some reason, the the feel of this film, it it wasn't, didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> we have a very brief cameo from Jessica Hecht playing the mother, the dead mother of, uh, of Lloyd. Um, best known, of course, for her time on Friends, uh, but also Breaking Bad, uh, where yep. she was on a couple of episodes playing Gretchen Swartz. Um, and then more recently, uh, I don't know, Red Oaks, if you watched Red Oaks. It was, an, it was enjoyable enough. It's about a tennis club. Uh, it had, um, what's his face, uh, Seth Meyers' brother in it. Um, you know, looks a spitting image of Seth Meyers. Um, but yeah, you know, a great cast, uh, an interesting director. Mariel uh, Heller also directed uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl, which was a controversial film over here because it was given a 18, even though the character is 15. And so people criticized it, saying that um, it should have been given a 15 so that people who were the same age as the character could have seen it. But then it also features some sex scenes and stuff. So the BBFC were like, no, we're not going to do that. You can't have an underage girl having sex uh, with, you know, uh, Norway's sexiest man and have that be seen by teenage girls, even though it's called Diary of a Teenage Girl. You know, some felt it hurt the... Uh, you know the box office of that particular film um i remember reading up about that i've still never seen it but i remember reading about it um from the fascination of the bbfc and their controversies well so that's why i mentioned it luke because yeah. i figured that would be your jam oh, absolutely i'm uh, checking whether it's on my watch list because when it came out i was not 18 um so uh yeah yeah well this is the controversy you know that you should have been allowed to see it because you were a teenage boy at the yeah, time yeah uh, and nothing pa- a teenage boy Powley wants more well. than to see the diary of a teenage girl um, <laughs> yes uh, the same year that Belle Powley was in that she was also in A Royal Night Out where she played Princess Margaret hmm. um, during the I don't know first second world war where she had some fun uh, I like Belle Powley she's a good actress um, uh, yeah so there we go that's about as much as you need to know before you jump into wanted to live in a neighborhood with you so let's make the most of this beautiful day since we're together we might as well say would you be mine could you be mine won't you be my neighbor won't you please won't you please please won't you be my neighbor (laughs) 